0: I'm pretty excited, you guys. I just started learning to whistle, so I'm pretty stoked about it. The only thing that sucks about it is, have you, any have you guys know how to whistle? Do you guys remember, whistle if you know how to whistle. <laughs> nice, it's pretty. I don't know if you guys remember, like, I don't know if you guys remember, like, the first time you learned to whistle, but weren't you doing it, like, every second of every day? I found out that my girlfriend, my family, and anyone around me doesn't like it, because I'm sitting there, and sometimes I make a whistling sound, sometimes I don't. Oh, thank you. They're giving away iPads up here. No, I'm just kidding. No, seriously, they are. Go talk to Tim up in the booth right there. This is the guy that, yep, there he is. Let's talk to Tim after you get a free iPad. kidding. But um, I just, I love whistling now, and people are just not liking it. I'm just sitting in the office, and I'll like, it's hit and miss with my whistles. It's like, <laughs> like that's, that's happened to me. I got a couple announcements for you guys. If you guys are new, just give it up for, if, if you guys are new, you don't have to clap. But if you're not new, give a clap for those who are new. I know there's new people in here, but we don't want to single them out. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So if you are new, then this, should, this, should, this is some news to you. If you're not new, you should be already doing this if you haven't done it. We've got a couple announcements for you guys. First one, find us on Facebook. We got Facebook. How many you guys like us on Facebook? Yes, yes. We post on there quite frequently. We're on there. I'm watching. You guys can post back on our walls. You got pictures or anything you want to share from here. Not pictures from home. We don't want to see those. We want to see pictures of your cat, dog, cat, dog. Well, if you have a cat, dog, kind of want to see that. But Anything else? Nothing else. Another thing, if you also have Facebook, you must have Twitter. If you have Twitter. If you don't have Twitter, it's okay. We have Twitter. It's at Cornerstone underscore HS. HS. HS at Cornerstone. HS. And so it's high school. HS, Center high school, in case you're wondering. But follow us on Twitter. We post on there as well. Also, you can find your leaders on there. We're all following the high school page. And a fun thing that if you guys haven't caught up on, is our pastor, student ministries, Kyle. If you want to play a game with the rest of the leaders, we love to make Kyle, it's called make Kyle regret what he says. And whatever he posts on Twitter, you got to have a conversation with Kyle and bring up his Facebook post and quote it in a conversation back to him and just watch him get really mad. Like I said last, like about two weeks ago, the one that I had with him is he posted for tax season, because I don't know if you guys pay taxes yet, but... He posted, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, hashtag tax season. And we were talking about something, and he said, I need you to give this for me and get it for me. I'm like, give to Caesar what is Caesar, Kyle. And he's just like, did I? I said that on Twitter. He got really mad at me. But also the other things, if you have phones, though, before you do that, silence your phones before we go into prayer time. There's nothing more embarrassing than when I go into prayer and you've got moves like Jagger going on during prayer time. I imagine Jesus has moves like Jagger, but... Let's time and place, time and place. And then also, lastly, we have, we, we've been going through this last series of New Year's Revolution. We ended it, and this is our first week in our new series, 40 Days in the Word. So I'm excited about it. I don't know how excited you guys are about it, but how many of you guys are here on Sunday? Oh, you are excited about it. Good for you guys. How many of you guys are here on Sunday with us? Yes. How many of you guys have been rocking the challenge? Strapping the Bible with you. Strapping the Bibles with you? No. You failed on Student Venture. I saw, you know, did you have it with you? You did. You're lying. You're lying. She's lying. But if we had a challenge of you carrying your Bible with you this whole week in four Days of the Word. But our last, our last thing is, we, like once again, will you guys give a big hand for the band that played today? They just did an awesome job for them. And if you want to be a part of the student ministry band, they need musicians. I know that it looked like it was pretty full of hair, but we can at least easily cram all you guys. I could see it. Let me just kind of get it. Yeah, you put you all right where Nick is. Actually, how about we do this? I know that will make everybody happy. Everyone else on this side and all the girls on Nick's side. I'm just kidding. He's not seeing anybody, ladies. He needs a girlfriend. He's weird. He's bugging me. <laughs> Anyways. But besides that, contact Colton. who was up here worship leading. You can get him. This his email up there, Seymour. Not like Seymour is his name. It's C for Colton, more. Seymour at go to cornerstone.com. Or you can call him in the office or just crank call him all the time. Just be like, hey, is your ministry running? Yeah. You better go catch it. Mm. I'd, be,
1: I'd be stoked to get a
0: prank phone call. No one ever calls me. Yeah, no one ever calls Colton. So, <laughs> so yeah, everyone call, call this number tomorrow because Colton never gets phone calls. And when he does get phone calls, it's because someone in the office dialed the wrong extension trying to get a hold of me right next to him. So he gets a call. My phone's ringing. And he answers it all professionally. Oh, Cornerstone, this is Colton Moore. How may I help you? Hey, Colton, is Joseph there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're in our 40 days in the Word. Like I said, we're gonna start our sermon again, but before we do that, I thought I'd give you guys kind of a crash course in, you know, the Bible, because this is what we're going to be talking about is the Bible. We're gonna be in the Word, so best to know as much about it as we can. So today's gonna to be a lesson, really, more on just learning about the Bible. So you guys watch this video with me. All right, check it out.
1: Who wrote the Bible? God or humans? So, the Bible, the Holy Bible. Yes. The Holy Bible, the Word of God. You've seen it, your pastor talks about it. You may have even read some of it, but where did it come from? Did God just decide one day to self-publish an autobiography? Conjured the whole thing out of thin air and sent it to earth to bless all humanity? Heads up! Ooh, leatherette. Or was the Bible written by humans? who tried their best to guess at what God would want to say. Two chickens does not equal that of a hamster, thus saith the Lord. (laughs) No, 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 no. God wouldn't say that. What about a A marmot? Christians believe that the Bible is inspired by God. But what does that mean? If you look at the meaning of the word inspired first, you have in, which means in. Really? (laughs) Inspire, which means to breathe, so inspired by God essentially means to be breathed into by God. That's weird. So, basically, what happened is, a long time ago, a bunch of people were chosen by God to be breathed into, or inspired, with God's message. In the Old Testament, these people were called prophets. The people who shared the good news of Jesus were called apostles. And these people went all over exclaiming God's message. And the things they were saying was some really amazing stuff. At some point it crossed someone's mind that all of this stuff these inspired people were talking about should be written down. So they did. They started carefully writing all of this stuff down and refining and editing and transcribing all of it over several hundred years until they had a massive pile of this really amazing stuff. Oh, now here's where it gets a little tricky. You see, there wasn't just one person writing this stuff down. And while most of it was truly inspired, some of it was, well, Not so inspired. And the cantaloupe shall be cast aside lest you be consumed by your own armpits. This left the young church with a big problem. How would they sort out all of the inspired stuff from the not so inspired stuff? This is how the process of biblical canonization came into existence. What is canonization, you may ask? Canon a what? Well, that's where they took a wall. Okay. And a lot of glue, and they put the glue on the wall, then they took all the writings and stuffed them into a cannon and shot the cannon at the wall. And everything that stuck to the wall went into the Bible. Really? No. Canonization was a process guided by God in which church councils were formed to decide what writings were truly inspired by God. These councils prayerfully researched and analyzed and sifted through the early Christian writings using specific tests and definitions to establish their credibility. So they would ask important questions like, is this writing actually being used by the Christian community? Another key question they'd ask is, was this written by an apostle? Or a close associate of an apostle? Or Aunt Gertrude's son-in-law's stepsister's cousin? These kinds of tests and definitions helped to establish what books were a true witness to an active, moving God and the life of Jesus Christ and should be included in what we now know as the Bible. The Holy Bible. Written by humans, inspired by God. Sweet. Sweet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I it was a lot to take in. First things I noticed, I love that they use a duck to have stupid ideas. I wish I had that sound when someone told me a stupid idea, like, dude, I have an idea. What? we should totally order, like, 20 pizzas and not pay for them and try to, you know, like, hit the person with other pizzas that we ordered. I wish I just had that sound, like, really, that's a good idea. (laughs) It's like that quack sound. I can't do it. So I know it's a lot to take in. So what did you guys get from some of these things, or what are some things that you know about the Bible? Go ahead and tell your neighbor, like, a fun fact that you know about the Bible. Go ahead. Tell them a random thing that you learned, even if it was just now, or anything else. Okay, what are some of them we got up? Who got some really cool facts? Anyone get some cool facts? There's 66 books in it. Books in it. Good for you. This is really cool out the book of Job, which is in like the middle, by the five books of wisdom. was actually written before Abraham, but it's not before, but it's not in Hmm. Good fun fact, good fun fact. What about you guys? Any you guys got fun fact about the Bible you know? What's a fun fact about Israel split into two countries. What are those two countries called? Judea and Israel. Brownie points. Give me at brownie points. You get brownie points in heaven, which means when you get to heaven, just go to the brownie angel on the brownie cloud and just say, "Hey, I need to cash in brownie points. I got it, church." So make sure you remember that. Ninety something years from now. Okay. <laughs> Any other thing? What is another fun fact you guys got? Any other fun facts? What about a weird thing in the Bible you don't understand? What about you? Oh, I like that. Psalms is the biggest book in all of, uh, all of the Bible. And, it's in the very, and the very biggest chapter of the Bible is the very center of the Bible. What's another one? Oh. That's a theory. That's, that's, uh, it's, a, it's in the Bible, but it's a controversial theory, actually. That's a huge debate that people have called the Nephilim theory. You, get, you get double brownie points, though, for knowing the theories. He's schooling you guys right now in Bible knowledge. You got, I know there's a book in there called Jesus, wrong. <laughs> He's got theories going on. Anybody else, anyone else have any other things? You know, about? it could be anything. It's made of rice paper? Yeah. It's papyrus. It's papyrus. Google, Google the font papyrus. No, papyrus is no. Papyrus is that really, like, that, have has a been to other churches and they have like really epic font? but it looks like it's kind of old, but it's English. It's called papyrus, it's pretty sick. Ask Colton what papyrus looks like, he'll show you. He'll show you. So, before we get going, there is a lot of facts about the Bible, and if you guys were here on Sunday, we're gonna kind of break down how popular of a book is it. Is this book even worth a read, right? So many people in the world are reading other books. I mean, why doesn't Oprah have her book sticker on this book? I mean, it's been around for so long, and I feel like if we just got Oprah to put the sticker on it, everyone would read the Bible, right? It would make it legit. Oprah presents the Bible. Just <laughs> like, can you imagine that? We're, we're, not, we're not too far away. And then she'll have, co- she'll have commentary on it. Just like, you see what Jesus did here is when he fed 5,000, he says, you get a fish and you get a fish. That's exactly what <laughs> Oprah presents the Bible. But we're going to talk about other books. If you were here on Sunday, you guys would have seen all these here. But here we we're talking talk about the Hunger Games. And how many books that the Hunger Games has sold. The first Hunger Games. If you go ahead and ask your, tell your neighbor what is What what do you think the number is? Go ahead and tell your neighbor what you think it is. Three. It's all three copies. A whopping 3.5 copies. All right. Drum roll, please. Drum roll, please. Three million copies. Three million copies. Now, what we have to account for, guys, which I talked about this on Sunday, and I was talking uh, to Rebecca. Yes? Shut up. You're getting brownies all day, dude, look at him. He's just banking the brownies in. Talk, talk to Tim after, he's got all the brownies. Once again, he has the iPad and the brownies. Talk to Tim after. Anyway, I didn't realize, when we did this fact about the Hunger Games, I was like, three million, I was, I was literally, I was studying for this, I'm like, three million, that's a ridiculous amount of books to be bought. I'm like, three million people bought the books. And then my lovely, my, my lovely woman, Rebecca, brought to light something. She showed me something that I didn't realize that that's three million copies, but that's three million copies of teenage girls, which mean really like a hundred girls bought the book, but they just bought it three million times. So I forgot about that because she's one of those Twilight fans, and she's like, she, I was like, oh, she has each one of the books. She goes, no, you got to get the soft cover so you can read out in public, like in the beach or something, then the hardcover, then the special edition, and then you got to get the extended special edition. I'm like... You're absolutely right. You're absolutely, I don't argue with her, but she's absolutely right. Another one, if you guys are, are uh, what are they, like, dweedles or d- wizards or whatever. They always have weird names in Harry Potter. I don't know what they are. Just they're weird. But what do you guys, if you guys want to tell your neighbor, how many books do you think that Harry Potter sold? More than three million. More than three million. Tell your number. T- Drum roll, please. 450 million copies. 450 million copies? That's that's collectively all there's seven books, right? Eight? Eight? Why? Why? <laughs> Why? I feel like some of these books, I, I'm I hate to be that guy that doesn't like that doesn't like the popular trends, but some of these books I feel like were written while someone was on the toilet. Like I don't know about you, I'm a boy. So when I'm on the like when I'm on the toilet and I'm like just sitting there doing you know my business, I do a lot of just just Time-killing stuff. So I'm just sitting there, read some magazines, clip some coupons, you know, put some leave-in conditioner in. I don't know what I do on this. And I feel like, this, like some of these books' premises were just thought up, like either like in the shower, taking out the garbage or something, because some of them were just literally like, why would you even think of that? I'm going to get a school of witches and warlocks, and I'm going to make them do spells and live in the school. And there's a guy, but he has no nose. Like, what? Can you imagine that? Like having your friend, like come and tell you this? Like, I got an idea, man, it's gonna make millions. What's that? I want you to invest in it. It's a book I'm thinking of. It's this guy and this girl, and this girl's like socially awkward, just completely socio-awkward. Like she's probably been homeschooled for like her whole life. It's pretty weird, no, I'm just kidding. But no, she's just socially awkward and abnormally pale. Like she's got no skin picket, but she's not yet albino. And then she falls in love with another socially awkward guy who I think is albino, but he's not that albino. And Get this, he's a vampire. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. Get this, nothing like a vampire. So he's not a vampire? No, he's a vampire, but he's nothing like a vampire because he does girl stuff and he sparkles. So we think two girls like each other? No, one's a guy, but he's basically a girl. Do you want to invest in my book? Absolutely not. <laughs> so we established that these books have weird, terrible premises sometimes when you put them on, like really just think about the, just the plot of it. So what about the Bible? We talked about the Bible and how many books they sold. So tell your partner, if you, or your partner, your neighbor here, your little your neighbor buddies, what you think the number is. If you remember it, tell them how much it is that they don't know. Go ahead and tell them. Go ahead and tell them. Drum roll, please. That's a terrible drum roll. Drum roll, please. Six billion. Six billion. Six billion copies. That's what I think of every two. Six billion copies. Six billion copies around the world. This Bible. This Bible is out there. There's copies. And there's still copies being made as we speak. What's that? Like in a year or like in all time. In all time. There's sold copies out of records. Of records we have six billion copies. Another fun fact we talked about on Sunday is in the average American household alone there's an average of four Bibles in your house. How many of you guys think you have at least four Bibles in your house, at least? How many of you guys could find all four Bibles, though? I don't know about that. Dare you, I dare you. You gotta find them, four four Bibles. So what we talked about is the book, this book, the Bible. This was week one, and it said, where did it come from, and why should it be trusted? Right? Where did it come from, and why should it be trusted? Right? We talked about how, how this message is, is is so important to us. We read this Bible, it is literally our only lifeline between us and God right now. It is literally the last stand we really have between our faith and prayer life. Everything stems, all we know how to do and all we know how to learn from is from this book. So where did it come from? How can we even trust it? Why is it even a big deal? So we'll read here in the scripture if you guys want to read it with me. If you have your Bibles with you, who's got their Bibles with them? Good for you guys. If you have your Bibles, you can open up here, First Thessalonians. It says, therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you received his message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which, of course, it is. And this word continues to work in you who believe. So therefore, it says, we never stop thanking God. We know that I like to always thank God in all my prayers. I open up all my prayers with thanks to him because... Without this book, without his presence in our life and here, we really would just be free-reigned, wild just savages. Just doing weird, crazy stuff. Can you imagine the world without God even instilling moral in the world? Can you imagine how morals would be? You go to the, like you go to a grocery store, you're like, Oh, I wanna buy this, like I wanna buy some cornflakes, I wanna buy some milk, and I wanna buy, you know, some Pop-Tarts. And they're like, Ah, oh, it's gonna be like $10.17. And instead of giving him $10, you just punch him in the face. <laughs> and just take your cornflakes. And so casual. Thanks, come again, just take your stuff. Can you imagine how that world would be? And it says here, like, therefore, we st- never stop thanking God for everything. But most specifically, his word. It says that we received his me- as we received his message, we knew that it was not from us. And what these people are saying here, they're not saying as it's just from us as a letter. They're saying this is genuinely the inspired word of God. So, over a period of about 1,500 years, the, the God inspired about 40 authors to, to write down and record all these, 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 these prophets speaking, like it said in the thing, writing down the tons of amazing stuff that these people were seeing, being inspired by God. And what it, what it means to be inspired is to be God breathed, you know, inspired. And it's literally just. God has breathed in his, what he feels it is so he needs to tell his people and what he's called to these people. And it says, in other words, God gave direction and guidance to, and, and protection to these words that through the test of time, that it was never lost and it was never construed and never was messed up. How many of you guys when you're in elementary school remember playing a game called telephone? You remember telephone? And I, I, I hated telephone so much because what was the worst is playing telephone is super fun. Especially when you're the person that gets to pick the phrase, right? And then what happens is like when you're at the end, it's terrible. Because then like somewhere in the middle, some guy decides to be a jokester. And he thinks it's cool when the message is like bananas are yellow. And then somewhere in the middle, the guy looks at the end and goes, oh, dude, there's Joseph over there. Check this out. And they get the message, bananas are yellow. Joseph like farts in his mail. And then they just come up there and they're like, it's down to you." And I have to go there like... I like farts in my mouth, oh man, I just get really mad. Or what's worse is, I'm not even joking, this has happened to me in elementary school. I was a very weird kid, I mean like pretty weird, almost as weird as Nick up here, but not that weird. He's really weird. But like, I was pretty weird because first off, let me just set the picture of young Joseph here, life and times Joseph. I was probably like this tall. At least till like my sophomore year of high school, I think maybe. No, but it felt like that. I was very small and I thought, you know, what was really cool is we talked about this in Student Venture. The movie Brink was the greatest movie to ever hit the world. Inline skating, if you haven't seen Brink, it's literally, it sounds like a dumb premise again. This shows how the times have changed. Brink was a movie not about skateboarding, not about extreme sports, but the, the lamest, safest extreme sport, rollerblading rollerblading dudes and then the best part about it was they did kind of cool tricks but the trick they did most frequently was then when they were riding down hills they just did this guy and they thought some reason this makes me go so much faster and really just makes you look so much stupider just sitting there just want to race buddy we both look like we're on we're on the toilet right now we look awful so when I was in elementary school, I had, I had the highlights in my hair, but like a bowl cut, and it was like parted down the middle, so it had like the little, like it looked like a tidal wave, kind of parting part the sea of my face. And then also, my face and my head was a lot smaller, but my big old lips were the same size. So my lips took up about 90 to 85% of my face. So I was coming in like that. Big old face and highlights. And then I never wanted to stop wearing my bathing suit, because you never know when you're going to go I need to swim, you know? You got to be prepared. So it's winter, and I'm wearing a full-on ski jacket where I literally, you can't even see half of my face, but I got, like, just this short of freaking Hawaiian gecko, like, swim trunks rolling and flip-flops with the strap sandals that, when you stepped, lit up. And I'm just with my big old jacket in the winter, like, I am so cool right now, just walking in. And I remember one day there was this girl. I, hope, I really hope one day if we ever have, like, recordings, we put them on the internet. She's watching, and it was Felicia. I was like, oh, Felicia, my elementary school sweetheart. Just sit there. And I was like, I was in the front. I got to be the front of the telephone. I'm like, I look down. Felicia's at the end. I go, I know what I'm going to do. I want to be really cool. I'm going to say, Joseph thinks Felicia is really pretty. I'm like, I'm going to do it. And she's going to get it. And she's going to be like, how sweet is that? I'm a little kid. I'm, I was a little romantic. I was a little Romeo. I know all you girls are thinking in your heart, like, oh, that's as cute as notebook. I should have been like, if I'm a bird, you're a bird. Just pass it down, just go down. And it actually looked like this in my big old sweater. If I'm a bird, you're a bird. Just look down. So I, I whisper it, and once again, I could never be more mad at this kid named, not Dustin, but not Brandon, Bruston. His parents must have hated him, but his name was Bruston. And I don't know his last name, but I remember Bruston was in the middle, and he always would pick on me because, just because I didn't watch Pokemon. Like, when Pokemon was cool. Like, I, I was a year behind because we didn't have cable in my house. So he looks at me, he's like, dude, look at him with his swim trunks and not watching Pokemon. And he looks at me, and he gets the message. And I know he gets it because he kind of looks back at the front of the telephone line, and he goes, this guy, and he looks down at this way and he goes, this guy thinks he's really sly in his cool swim trunks and his brink haircut. And he looks down, and he looks over there, and I'm thinking, oh, he's going to help me out. Maybe he's not going to be such a jerk. Wrong. It gets to the end, and he goes, I don't want to fart on Joseph. I cried, and I peed my pants. It was awful. I cried so much. Like, you ever cried or laughed so much it hurts your stomach? I cried so hard it hurt my stomach, and it made me pee my pants. And my mom had to come get me and bring my backup swim trunks because these ones were done for. So I had backup swim trunks. So What it means is, what I'm getting is that I hated this, that, 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 that game, and sometimes all these, like, gossips and stories that go on. People forget about them. People forget about stories of uh, uh, what celebrities have done. People almost forget about bad things that people have done. They're so bad you think, man, how can anyone ever forget it? But, they still, like, but they, it still just goes away. But one thing that's always stood the test of time is God has protected his word that through just all this time here up to where we are now, all these stories not only are still relevant but have still made it through in, an original, in the original way. And it's, and it brings me to my question, though. It's something we asked on Sunday. Can the Bible be trusted? Can it really be a trusted source of information? I mean, think about it. Like, when you guys go to school and you have to take a test on something in any class it is, they give you what? Well, study guy, but they give you what for us to learn from? You, textbooks, right? How many of you guys carry textbooks? Are you just. No one carries textbooks? Are you serious? What is it? All on the internet? What? Are you kidding me? (sighs) School systems today, dude, school systems. When back in my, I like I say that, back in my day. Back in my day, you had to carry all your classes' textbooks in your backpack. And it was literally like carrying two midgets on your back while they were trying to strangle your shoulder. Like giving you a death pinch. And you're like, this is awful. But you have to carry a textbook in order to to continue and follow. So it is literally that, that is like, that was the epitome of what we're going to learn. When you get into college, you have to get textbooks, and every of the answers are in the textbook. You open the, do you guys know what books are that aren't Twilight? That, come on, please, please throw me a bone here, guys. But it says, can, these, these textbooks are the answers of what I'm supposed to learn about the subject. The question is, this book doesn't deal in a certain subject of just, you know, anatomy or geology or English or math. This is dealing with life and life after death in this world. It's talking about eternal life, salvation, demons, dragons, wizards, multiple wizards. Not Harry Potter wizards, like sorcerers, warlocks, giant ogre men, mongoloid giant things of, of men. I'm talking bigger than, bigger than basketball players, like bigger than like Shaquille O'Neal. They're huge dudes. Talking about people living to be 100 and then having children. Uh, oh. <laughs> miracle, that's awful, it's, it's pretty awkward too. How do you explain that to your child, like 100 years old? Like, what, what do you have to tell, like relate with this kid? But <laughs> well, back when I was a kid, we, there was nothing here. There was nothing here. I, I saw grass for the first time at 60, it's pretty crazy. So there's a ton of these things, how can this Bible be trusted? It's dealing with such odd spectrums, literally outside the box of our logic. So my question is, can it be trusted? What do you guys think? Do you guys think it can honestly be trusted? Ask your neighbor, can it be trusted? Ask him. And now answer it. Ask, answer your neighbor. Can it be trusted? Can it be trusted? Can it be trusted? It be trusted? Yeah, no? You, you kind of did a diagonal, like a sweep, like a, I don't know. Try to play it safe. Do you think it can be trusted? How many you guys say it cannot be trusted? One? Yep. <laughs> How many of you guys say it can be trusted? I have two hands up. Some of you guys, some of you guys don't have your hands up. Then it means that you guys don't trust it. You're all wrong. It can't be trusted. Can you imagine? It's like you're wrong. So yes, it can be trusted. It can be trusted. There's a lot of things that do. On Sunday, we talked about a lot of things that we that that, that really do um that really do correlate and make it that way. Some of the things where we talked about unity. And what we meant by that is in the scripture, it showed that there's tons of people who are writing. We talked about how many authors, about how many authors correlated the Bible. Forty. So what I want to do is, I want you guys to talk about this service right now. right? And I want you all at once to explain to me, from the moment that you walked in and service started for worship, how the service went so far to this point. Ready, go. Start explaining it to me. What else happened? None of you guys are explaining it to me. You're awful. There was monkeys. There was muffins. What else is there? I didn't hear any of you guys. What else? They got chairs in the back. I know they got chairs, right? You got chairs. And then I found Fido over there. And then there was nothing. There was coffee. What else? I was I. Did you get excited? Who got excited about coffee? you get excited about coffee? No, he didn't get excited about coffee. Co- was full bags. There was a lot of stuff. So as you can see, how hard is it? for everyone's story to kind of go together. Someone said monkeys. Where? Where and when? Where and when? Someone liked the coffee. Some people didn't like the coffee. Some said the coffee was amazing. Some said it wasn't. Obviously, the people that said it wasn't amazing are liars. So just It's pretty good coffee. It's pretty good coffee. I like it a lot. None of your business. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's one of the mysteries of the Bible. <laughs> Get up. <laughs> But some of, there's, it's really hard for us, right, to tell the same story, right? Have you ever had, like, a, like something happen to, like, a group of your friends, and when you all go to tell it, there's always, like, kind of a different element that keeps getting added every time? <laughs> Especially, like, I have a friend that he tells one story, and, like, it gets too far, you know? Like, it gets, it, it, like he adds an element that just really didn't, wasn't there before. So he's like, yeah, I went to Albertsons. It was crazy. I, I, I got $100 I found on the floor. And I'm like, oh, that's a really cool story. And I I'm going, dude, go, dude, you got to tell Colton the story. And he's like, dude, okay, so get this. I'm going to Albertson's, and there's this homeless guy, and he, I see him, and he's trying to mug this old lady. And I go, wait, what? And he, she gets away, but then they leave a $100 bill on the floor, and I found $100 on the floor. That was a key element you missed in the story before. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, she was there because she tried to stab him. That was another element of story that was missing there before. Well, she was only trying to stab him because he used to be a justice of the peace and he framed her husband and he got the electric chair. What? (laughs) I feel like you're just going on with this thing, you know? And it's just like, it's so hard to keep the same story going, right? It's so hard to not only just collaborate stories, but even just when an event happens, to try to memorize it from just straight from memory and write it down and be able to tell it. But the Bible has that. The Bible has unity. Also, one of the things that the Bible has, it has a class that you guys would learn. It has, come on, please, class you would learn, you would learn in this class about presence, history. Yeah, brownie points. It has history in it. There's actually a lot of history in the Bible. If you actually open up your Bibles, have you guys guys ever opened up the Bibles and like at the very back, there's like a bunch of maps, right? Have you ever seen on the maps that it shows you exactly where the Ark of the Covenant is? I'm lying to you. See, you guys l- check your Bibles more. You're going to learn about this stuff. But in the back, it shows you maps of, of, of where a lot of these events took place. It also shows you where the two nations of Israel were, which were what? Israel, Israel and Judah. She stole your brownie points. I didn't get a Subtracted brownie points. Yay! Brownie points inserted. <laughs> there it is. It has a lot of history in it. It has a lot of, 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 of actual factual people that you would learn in your history classes in the Bible already. It also talks about prophecy, right? It talks about earlier in our video, it talks about how a bunch of these people were going out with God-inspired word that, that God had showed them in vision and decided that they were going to preach these things that he showed them. And sometimes what's crazy is, I think you think of as a prophet of hearing God's inspired word, you think it would just be as, as plain as, you know, they're walking to a really high point, like a skyscraper or something as close as they can get to heaven. And then they look up to the sky, and they go, knock, knock. And then a voice goes, who's there? And they go, me, me who? Me wanted to talk to God. Hey, what's up? And then starts talking to him. It's actually a little bit more, it's a little bit more kind of crazy than that. A lot of times what they do is they come in things called visions, or they come through like, through dreams of prophecy where they come to them in, in, in deep meditated prayer or sometimes God even sends an angel of the Lord to tell them these messages. A lot that, that is exactly how our Savior Jesus was told to be. And another thing that, that really is a big deal to me that I think is really cool is I really like, about, about, I like to watch a lot of sports. How many of you guys watch sports? I mean, even girls, you watch sports? I'm not a sports guy, which means I don't play sports very well. So which makes me a really good sports fan. So there's really good like sports guys. What do you call those? I'll go with sports guys. Sports guys. I'm a really good sports spectator. Like for example, like, I'm not that great at basketball. I'm a pretty good cheerer at basketball. I will throw stuff. I'll threaten people's lives if I have to. I get pretty crazy. I will. I'll take my shirt off if it has to. And that's not a pretty sight for anybody. Everyone in the, field, in the court loses that game. I'll get crazy. Right? So I'm a really good fan, not a really good athlete. But what I like about sports a lot is a lot of, of my favorite, like, sports teams, the reasons why I like them is not just because, like, you know, my family likes them or because God has selected these teams to be the teams of his people. But I'm just kidding. But mostly because I like the legacy behind them. I love the past players that were there. I love hearing about the generations before and hearing other people talk about back in my day, you know, in the 80s, this team was the, was the team to beat and now they suck, you know. Story of a Raiders, life, a Raiders life, just back in the 80s, they were rad and then they are the Raiders, so this is what happens. So to me, I love the legacy of things. I love hearing how many championships we've won before, how many, how many World Series we've been to, how many Super Bowls we've won, you know, how, many, how many NBA Finals have we, have we conquered. You know, I love that. How many like, great players and Hall of Famers have played. And I love that about the Bible, the Bible's legacy. That even today, there is prophecy that these people spoke of. Literally people who were Hall of Famers of the Bible, and their words are still speaking to us today. And, their, and, and, and their, their visions and their lessons are still teaching us and applying to us today. I talked about this on, on Sunday, that the thought for the week was the Bible isn't just a book. It's the book. It's the book. And what I kept thinking about I as I was trying to, I, I accepted the challenge that we had of of trying to bring my Bible everywhere, right? So even when I was leaving the office, I'd try to grab my iPad so I had my Bible app with me. Uh, I know I cheated a little bit because I was on the rush and stuff, but sometimes i keep my Bible in my car as well. Just before I leave, I'd just grab it. And something that I was trying to do is I was genuinely trying to find out what draws people to this book, right? Because we know as coming to church, we should bring our Bibles, right? I hope you know that at least. Well, I hope you know you should bring your Bibles we want you to. But I was thinking, why? Why should people decide to choose this book? What draws people to this book? What actually, what is it, this, this, what does this thing possess? That it literally will take a person that's in a fork in the road and say, hmm, should I go with this book that's like 2,000 years old or sparkling vampires? I don't know old book, vampires, old book, social awkward girl, old book, terrible movies. I'm gonna go with terrible movies or I'm gonna go, what makes people say, I want this old book? And there was something that I thought about and I thought, I, I, I was listening, to, I'm actually, you can probably shoot me down some of you guys, maybe you guys don't even know whose band is, but I don't like the Beatles that much at all. I don't think they're that good. Blasphemy, right? I don't think they're that great at all. I know, I really don't. And, but one thing that I thought about is, so many people love the Beatles, right? Like my mom, my mom, believe it or not, listens to nothing but like gangster rap. I'm talking genuine gangster. I'm not talking like my mom listens to like Usher. Like my mom listens to like NWA and like Ice Cube to pick up like my 11 year old sister from school. And not just a public school, like a charter school like rolling down the windows, just like rolling up and just like, it's time to go. And I'm like, I am so embarrassed right now. I think I'm gonna like, I, and she drives like an old school Cadillac, like from the movie Friday. So I'm like, you look so intimidating right now. So even my mom who like only listens to gangster rap, hates any other music, Like literally thinks any other music sucks. She even likes some Beatles songs. And I'm like, why does everyone like the Beatles? Maybe I'm just, you know, I'm the only person who has a natural ear for music, I guess. But, but no, I asked her, like, I, a lot of it, she's like, I asked her something about it, and I was like, why do you even like the Beatles? You hate, like, that kind of music. She goes, I just love that part when he says this. And then my stepdad, too, as well, he says, I love the part when he says this. And these people like, a lot of things, a lot of our music we have, I love when this person says this. And it's what something says. And I think what happens is our generation, in studying this word, something that this word has a lot of, but this world doesn't, is in scripture. And, in, and I was reading this and this is where I found why. And I think it really needs to be the new revolution that the Beatles kind of had, but with less terrible music. <laughs> it says, and it says in 1 John, that we love because he loved us first. He loved us enough to say, not only do I want to let you know, by writing you the most beautiful and perfect love letter to you, but I want your hands to be the ones that write it for me. I want, I want you to use your own descriptions to describe my indescribable love so that you may go out and love other people because I loved you before you were even here. Here. Friends, something about going into this word. We're, we're not just diving into 40 days of just reading and studying a textbook. We are going 40 days into diving into God's love. To genuinely drowning in it. Embracing it. Understanding not just what the Bible is. But as, this, as we go into our next weeks, our next six weeks here. This is a crash course on why the Bible is what it is, the ultimate tool and weapon. But more importantly, it is the only link that we have to describing the indescribable love of a great God. And I admit sometimes I don't do a very good job at living it out. And sometimes what happens is I sometimes don't even believe some of the things that I have, have in this book. I know it may come as a shock, especially working in a church. There's some things that I read and I go, I just can't grasp that. I can't hold on to that and make that my my voice, you know. There's some things I just can't understand. I don't want to stand behind. But I know that God's love is more knowledgeable and sovereign than my own understanding. And all we can do is ask God to give us the grace and patience that we may slowly learn to understand and the faith that he is perfect, that he is trustworthy. His word is the only thing that never fails. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we are sorry. I'm sorry, God, that at times we forget. And at times, it gets rough. And God, we've, we, we ask for forgiveness that we have neglected for so long and leaned on this love that is not our own, but of this world, God. And that as we go into these next 40 days, we don't go in it just coming for services. We genuinely equipped ourselves with your love letter. We drown ourselves in your love and we study and try to get closer and indirectly experiencing the love that you not only had for us, but continue to have for us. Lord, I am so blessed to be up here. So, God, what I pray is that you give us all the peace. You give us all of the comfort. And most importantly, that you grant us the faith so that in times when it's really, really hard, really hard to understand what your word says and to apply it to us, That even then, you will grant us faith to let us know it's okay. Because God, we, as a generation, we want to know what's coming. We want to know the next step and the next step and the next step. But God, you have already taken care of it. And What's most important, God? although we don't know the steps that come next, we do know the end. light because it makes the dark light again. You make all the dirty, disgusting, wrong choices we've ever made. Your light brings in the light. But something that sometimes we forget is that your love erases that. We may not know the next steps in these 40 days. We know at the end there is victory. And we ask that you help us in our faith. To trust that no matter what happens in learning about you or in our personal lives, we have already won. And we trust that you have won. That your word, your love is strong. It is stronger than any power we can ever hold, any strength we could ever gain personally. any mistake that's been holding us.